1: anybody thankful for the presence of the Lord that is in this room tonight did you come ready to receive something from the Lord amen amen thank you Jesus would you clap your hands and thank this choir this praise team thank you Lord if you will bear with me and stand stay standing for just a moment In a moment, I'm going to read a scripture into your hearing. But before I do tonight, this week, Brother Dick Duggar, how many of you love Brother Duggar? Amen. He's a pillar of this church, and we're so very thankful for him and his testimony. This week, he felt impressed by the Lord to write a poem, and he shared that poem with me, and he said, if you ever want to preach and share this poem, he said, just, just take it and share it, and I prepared my message thinking that the poem was not going to fit into what I was preaching tonight, and as I was standing in the front, the Lord was dealing with me, and I think I ended up walking back to the media team three times and changing the title of my message, but how many of you know God's got a word for us tonight? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Stay standing for a moment. We will read the word of God in just a moment. Brother Duggar is going to read this poem.
0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. If you wondered what I was doing, I was making sure this microphone worked. <laughs> the name of this poem is So Send I Thee. The world is lost and dying. They have no hope, you see. Jesus came and brought us truth and gave us victory. We ask, where is revival? As the world gets worse and worse, evil abounds and sin confounds behind the funeral hearse. The world knows that time is short. They're asking questions daily. They see the news and hear the reports of all the evil melee. Our leaders are overwhelmed and our police forces are stressed so deep, but the saddest thing of all is God's church still stays asleep. The world is moving at a rapid pace towards sin and degradation. America, as sad as it can be, is no longer a godly nation. Our pulpits are manned with positive thinkers who are seeking money and fame. They have lost their desire to preach the truth in Jesus' holy name. An old-fashioned Christian is so hard to find in the midst of hoops and hollers They've walked away from prayer and fasting, seeking after the almighty dollars. The world needs truth as never before. They're seeking deliverance, you see. If only God's people would respond to the words, so send I thee.
1: Amen, would you thank Brother Duggar for sharing that with us tonight? Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. How many of you know that God wants to send you into your places of frequency and He wants to use you as the hands and feet of the gospel? He wants to use you. There is a person designed. It's the person that you're supposed to be. And you may have glimpses of what that person looks like. You may understand attributes of that person that God has made you to be. It's a little bit less of your face and a whole lot more like Jesus. And if we could just put away our selfish ambitions and our worldly desires and seek after God's face, perhaps He could send us into our world. And with the power and empowerment of the gospel, I believe we could turn this city upside down. I believe you could turn your schools and your works upside down. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to reach somebody. Turn your attention to Matthew, the, seven, the 16th chapter, rather. Matthew, the 16th chapter, starting at verse 24. In Jesus' name, before we read the word of God, would you just lift your hands to heaven and call out on his name? Lord, I pray right now that you'd give me strength, that I could speak your word that your word would go forth, rightly dividing the word of truth, that I would not stand in the way of what you're wanting to deliver to your people tonight. I pray, God, that you'd minister to every heart and every person. Let your spirit move upon this place in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man... Say, any man, any woman, any man will come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now note verse 25, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it you got to lose your life, and you got to forget about the person who you were and step into who God has made you to be. And I want to preach to you tonight about becoming, about becoming the person who God has made you to be. Before you're seated, just one more time, give the Lord some praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. There are many examples throughout the word of God of people forsaking themselves for the purpose of the Lord. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's money. You cannot serve God and meanwhile be a slave to sin. You got to be sold out. And you got to decide who you're going to serve. And I hope tonight that if anything is accomplished in this place, that you would decide to follow God and to put away vain desires and to pattern yourself after who God has intended for you to be. James and John are found by Jesus in Mark, the first chapter. They're found as fishermen. But they don't leave there as fishermen, they leave that place as fishers of men. My father says that when he discovered the call of God on his life, that if he was going to be a fisherman, he had to marry a net. (laughs) They forsook their nets, and they followed him. They left, they left their father in the ship and their hired servants, and they went after Jesus. Now, if you can only imagine that scene, they are young men. They've been out on the boat fishing all day, and out of nowhere, their father's left standing on that boat, and they follow this man whom they'd never seen before, this man named Jesus. But they understood something very powerful. They understood that in order to become, in order to follow God and become who God had made them to be, that they could not continue life the same way that they had started it, but that they had to follow God into the making of men of God, of fishers of men. Many of you have testimonies of who you once were, And who you are today. I like that song we used to sing pretty frequently. I don't walk like I used to walk. He made the difference. It says, I I don't live like I used to live. He made the difference. I don't give like I used to give. He made the difference. And then the drums, those electric 90s and 80s drums, just get it at that point. He made the difference, not difference, it's the difference in my life. And we like that song around here. But what that song implies is that when you follow God, you're not the same person today who you were yesterday. He made the difference in my life. You can't live a life for God with one foot, in the church, and one foot out of the church. you got to forsake the, net, the nets. You have to walk away from the ship, and you've got to follow Jesus. In First Kings 19, Elisha encounters this man by the name of Elijah. And he desires... To follow Elijah and to become who God has made him, Elisha, to be. And it wasn't enough just to decide that he was going to follow God. In fact, he was found in the field when he meets this man named Elijah. And the next thing that happens is very, very interesting. What we find is that Elijah kills the yoke of oxen that were pulling the plow that he was found on. He kills them. He boils them. And he boils and burns the instruments used with the oxen. He gives unto the people. He eats of the oxen and he arises and he follows after Elijah it was not enough to decide that he wanted to follow God and that he wanted to follow the plan of God. He had to go a step further and forsake whom he had been prior to that encounter. You can't follow God and keep things in your life the way that they were. That's why that when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, some names need deleted out of your phone. That's why when you're baptized in Jesus' name, some things need thrown away. That's why when you decide you're going to be who God has made you to be, you can't listen to worldly songs on Monday and praise with everybody else on Sunday. You've got to forsake your nets. You've got to kill the oxen. You've got to burn the plows. And you've got to follow after Jesus. We find A similar encounter in Luke the ninth chapter of a man whom I believe it was the will of God that he was to follow Jesus. I believe the man could have been a disciple. But what we find is that he says, well, let me go and bury my father. His father had passed away. And it seems logical to us. He just wanted to bury his father. And then he thought he'd follow Jesus. And Jesus gives the swift reply in Luke 9 and verse 60. He says unto them, let the dead bury their dead. Go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Somebody may say that's extreme, but that wasn't extreme. Because what is being portrayed here is that you can't follow God and look back. You can't repent of your sins and be filled with the Holy Ghost and want to go back to how things were yesterday. You can't decide to live for God today and not live for God tomorrow. You've got to forsake everything that was and follow God into what is for your life. This is becoming. This is becoming who God has made you to be. You can't keep the things you used to watch and used to read and used to listen to just tucked away on the shelf in case you got a bad day. Read your Bible the rest of the week. But when the bad day rolls around, you're going to return to the same plows. You can't put your tie on and decide you're a man of God tonight and then turn around and go back to the same person that you were yesterday, becoming Requires transformation. Becoming requires a change that occurs in your life. There's a story, perhaps a rather stretched and untrue story, of a caterpillar and a butterfly that went out for coffee. They were connecting over coffee. They hadn't seen each other in a long time. And they'd been friends for many, many years, both of them being caterpillars. But this time, one had gone through metamorphosis, and he'd grown wings. And they get together, and the caterpillar looks at the butterfly, and he says, I don't know what it is about you, but you've changed. And the butterfly looks back at the caterpillar, and he says, You're supposed to, too. This is why you can follow Jesus and people that don't understand the transformation that's happened in your life will come to you and they'll say you've changed. You don't hang out with us anymore. You're not like us anymore. You don't you don't associate with us anymore and ladies and gentlemen it's because you have changed it's because old things have passed away and all things have become new it's because you're filled with the Spirit of God and the name of Jesus is upon your life and yes you have changed but I've got a word for you you're supposed to. there's an image, a picture of who God has made you to be. It's the picture in whom man was created in the very beginning. Genesis, the first chapter in verse 26 says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, cattle and over all the earth. And every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Many religions have professed false gods created in the image of man. But this is the first time in all of history, that there is a God proclaimed whom man was made in his image. And those are two very different things. This was not a God made in the image of man. This is man being made in the image of God. This is what what existed before sin entered the world. Ladies, the perfect Man, the sequential, the perfect, the template, the pattern, completely perfect and without sin. This being was called Adam. That has a lovely meaning. It means man. He lived in a place called Adama. Somebody say that's clever. Meaning, earth. And you can't look over the fact that this being was created in the image of God. Because before sin corrupted this image, you too have been created in the image of God. And sin stands in between you and that image. There was a quote written of art by Christian Morgenstern in which he said, in every work of art, the artist himself is present. That's how it was in the beginning. Adam, Eve, they dwelt with God in the cool of the garden. They walked with him. They talked with him. This Created being is created in the image of God. And then just a little while later in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became, somebody say became, man became a living Are you with me tonight? Genesis separates the account of man being created and man becoming a living soul. This is not an account of two men. This is the same account of the same man named Adam. But in one account he is created. And in the other account, he is formed, and he becomes. And he not only becomes, but he becomes a living soul. Created in the first account, formed in the second account. And how this man becomes a living soul is very important to you and I. Breathed into his nostrils is the breath of life. The breath of life. Before he's just created... But when the breath of life is breathed into his nostrils, then he becomes, he becomes a living soul. You know the story. They're commanded not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had one job. What did they do? Well, there was a cunning serpent. They are deceived. Eve eats of that fruit, Adam after, and that heavenly image that had been created in the very beginning is distorted, and it's corrupted, and it's broken apart by that filth and by that sin. If you can see a child that was perfectly clean walk outside and roll around in the mud And walk back inside and track it everywhere he goes. If you can see that picture, you can see the picture of perfect man that falls into sin. And no longer is he made in this perfect image of God, but he is filthy and he's dirty and he's corrupted. It's like the same image we see of the prodigal son when he's down eaten in the pig's pen. He's got Mm -hmm. filth all over him. And he's not walking in the promises of God. He's not who God has made him to be. The image is corrupted. Yet hope is not lost. What we find is this heavenly image corrupted by sin is restored by the first and only restorationist named Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 45 says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. The first is created, the second is begotten. Verse 46 says, how bet that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The first Adam and the second Adam. The first is created in the image of God. The second is God who has robed himself in flesh. And it's the image that has come to earth. It is the restoration of that image that was corrupted by sin. And so just like the first Adam is first created, and then he becomes, this second Adam is created of flesh, but in him is that same Spirit of God. He is the living, breathing, dwelling in the earth, manifest in the flesh, Spirit of God walking Amongst us. And when he becomes the ultimate sacrifice. And he's crucified on that gruesome tree. That cross that stood upon Calvary. He dies. He gives up the ghost. That's that breath. That's that spirit. He gives it up. He's buried three days. He rises again. And then something interesting happens in the scripture because humanity is not yet fully restored. But at a place called Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, they're standing in an upper room and the spirit of God is poured out. Are you with me tonight? The first Adam is first created, but then he becomes. And how does he become? He becomes when that Spirit is breathed into his nostrils. It is the breath of life. And it is the same Ruach, spirit, breath that moves upon the face of the waters when we first encounter God in Genesis, the first chapter. It is the same breath that is breathed into Adam. It is the same breath. That was destroyed in the earth and carried upon the ark. It was the same breath breathed out by Jesus. And it is the same wind that we read of that sweeps into that upper room at Pentecost. It's the same spirit which raised Christ from the dead that shall also quicken your mortal bodies. And so there's an image that you were created to look like and it looks like Jesus. But sin corrupts that image. The first Adam fails but the second Adam Jesus comes down to earth robes himself in flesh, dies for your sin, breathes out the breath of life and that same breath that was breathed into Adam is breathed out of the breath of the second Adam and you and I and you and you and you can become a living soul. You can become who God has made you to be. Praise God. It's the heavenly restoration of that image. It is who God has made you to be. It's when the spirit of God is breathed into your nostrils. It's the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father, and you open up your mouth and you begin to speak in heavenly utterance and you speak in other tongues. That's the same spirit in which you are formed, in which you become who God has made you to be. It's not enough to be created. You've got to become. It's not enough to be a creature. You've got to become a living soul. And there's a difference here. One is born of the flesh. The other is born of the spirit. One was born on September twenty-first, 1998, and the other was born when I was seven years old standing in an altar, and I lifted up my hands to heaven, and just like a baby cries out at birth, I began to cry out, and heavenly utterance came out of my mouth as I spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Just like a baby cried, I cried, and just like a baby was born to my mother, I was born to my father, and I... Begin to speak in other tongues. It's the moment you are formed. It's the moment that you become. Somebody say become. Some of you are here. There's breath in your nostrils, but there's not breath in your spirit. Some of you... Have never died, but you've never lived. There are people that aimlessly walk through this life, and they've never known what it is to live. Because in the kingdom of God, to die is to live, and to live is to die. To try to retain your life and to keep your life is to lose it. But if you lose your life, you will find it. So when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, how many of you have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Let me see. Come on. Let me see those hands. Been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, there's a becoming taking place in your life. There are calls of God that is upon your life. We talk about the anointing. We run around and we say he's anointed, she's anointed. Well, she's good, but she's not anointed. The anointing is the spirit of God. It's the call of God that is placed upon your life when you've been filled with His Spirit. And if you've been filled with His Spirit, I want you to know that you're anointed. I want you to know that there's a plan of God that is upon your life. I want you to know that God wants to use you. And that doesn't mean it has to be a pulpit, but there is a call. And He does want to use you. And there is a person that you've been created to be. And you're not going to find it by trying to keep your life. You've got to lose your life to find it. (laughs) Parents, you shouldn't be encouraging your young people to go out in the world and find themselves. You should be encouraging your young people to get in the Word of God and lose themselves. Because when you lose yourself, you can find Jesus. And you can Become who God has made you to be. For ye were dead and your life is hid in Christ Jesus. Paul said, for to me to live is, rather, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because he understood that when he died to who he was, he could become who God has made him to be. And he understood that when death, though imminent, it's not eternal because it's a transition from this life unto the life that he was created for. Colossians 3.3 says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When you die, your life's to be hid. You might have been a cheater. You might have been a sinner. You might have been. A liar. You might have been an abuser. You might have been an alcoholic. You might have been a drug, uh, hooked on drugs. You might have had your marriage messed up. You might not have treated your children right. You might have not lived according to the word of God. But when you die, that life is hid and you put on Christ. And it's not about Spencer anymore. It's about Jesus now. And it's not about Braxton anymore. It's about Jesus now and it's not about Dylan anymore it's about Jesus now because your life is hid and your face is hid and your ambitions are hid and the old man is hid and you put on the new man which is Christ the scripture says for if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised the whole point of Christ being dying. And being buried and rising again is so that you can die and be buried and rise again. And you do that through repentance. That's the death to the person you are. And that's a daily death. That's why Paul said, I die daily. We sure know how to shout, but I wonder if we remember how to repent. It's the death. And then the scripture says that we are buried with Christ In baptism, you're buried with him when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. And just like he rose, you rise again. You're not supposed to be a half-birth. You're not supposed to be a stillborn. You're supposed to come out Rising, You're supposed to come out becoming. You're supposed to come out looking less like you and more like Jesus. That's why when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, let me speak to a child of God here today. You don't live like the world because the old man has died and old things are passed away and all things have become new and you put on the new man. That old man doesn't exist anymore. It's now the new man. This is what the scripture speaks of in Ephesians 4 and verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That's the corrupt image. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's the restored image. And that ye put on the new man. Somebody say you got to put on Christ which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. You put off the old man and you put on the new man. Galatians 3 and verse 27 says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And then it goes a step further. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're heirs according to the promise. When you're baptized into Christ, you put on Christ, and if you've repented of your sins and if you've been baptized in Jesus' name and if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, don't leave here and act differently than you did in this atmosphere when you get to work tomorrow. Don't leave here and return to the same things that you left in repentance. Don't leave here and go back to the same broken relationships that you left when you were baptized in Jesus' name your temp your body is the temple of the living god you're a new person you don't talk like you used to talk cuz he made the difference you don't live like you used to live cuz he made the difference i'm sick and tired of people raising their hand on sunday and saying he made the difference you'd never know it on monday If he made the difference, it will affect you on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when you're alone, when you're with family, when you're with friends, when you're with coworkers, when you're with the people of God because there's a difference. There's an image, there's a name, there's a pattern, and God's trying to pattern your life after that pattern. And it doesn't look like you, it looks like Jesus. It doesn't look like your abilities and your ambitions and your dreams. It looks like His purpose and what He desires for your life. It looks a whole lot lot less like you and a whole lot more like Him. If you're not careful, there's also an image that the world would place on your life. There's also a name that sin will inscript upon your life. How many of you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and the Billy Goat? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's how we were taught about them in Sunday school, the three Hebrew boys. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't Hebrew names. Their real names were Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. The Yah is the name of God, Yahweh. And the Mishael is the name of God, Elohim. Those are Hebrew names. But when they were under Babylonian rule, the king wouldn't call them by their Hebrew names because their names had inscribed upon them the name of God. So he wouldn't call them by their Hebrew names. They were called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they were never Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, the whole time they were in the fire, there was never a Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego there was always a Hananiah In a Mishael, in an Azariah, the name of God was always upon them. And so when they were in the fire, they weren't alone because there was a name that was upon their life. And when you go to school, they'll call you what they want to call you. But the name of Jesus is still upon your life. And when you get with sinful people, they'll call you all kinds of things. But you'll never be those things because the name is still upon your life. You see, when you encounter Jesus, you don't leave without the name of Jesus being upon you. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Abraham. Israel, Simon becomes Peter, and you were baptized, and the name that was placed upon you was Jesus, and when you get to the heaven and they open up the Lamb's book of life, I've got news for you. Some of you have said, I hope my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to burst your bubble today. Your name's not in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. Making some people mad here today. Your name, this section, your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. You know why it's the Lamb's book of life? Because the name's in there. Look like this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. When you're baptized, it's not Dan Lytle anymore. It's Jesus. When it's not Braxton Haynes anymore, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you walk different, and you talk different, and you act different, and you live different, and you don't go to the same places, and you don't live the same way because it's not it's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's Hananiah. It's L. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everywhere you go, it's the name of the Lord. The musicians are going to come. I want you to stand with me across this room. You don't go to this church to sing Sunday morning karaoke bubble burst. Hear the crickets in the back of the room. I know it's easy, it's easy, it's easy to walk into the house of God. How many of you would say, I'm apostolic? I'm apostolic. It's a good thing to say, but this is not a religion of proclamation. This is where the denominational world gets it wrong. They say you got to pray a prayer and then you're saved. There's a difference in the Word of God. that the, we're, we're not a belief of de- declaring who we are. We're a belief that requires us to live what we believe. It's not enough to say what you believe. You've got to live what you believe. You can't be a hearer of the Word. You have to be a doer also. So you're not saved when you pray a sinner's prayer, and you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I believe that He shed His blood, and because He shed His blood, my sins have been remitted. That's not belief. That's repeating after me. Repentance is not repeating after me. It's an action. It's a decision. It's a decision to live life differently now than you did then. And it's something that you have to do every single day. I heard a psychologist say one more time, it caught me off guard. One time, rather, I heard a psychologist say, he said, how dare you say you believe in God? It caught me so off guard, I'd always heard this gentleman speak of his own Faith in various capacities. And he said, Believing in God is not a matter of saying it, it's a matter of living it. And he wasn't an apostolic man, but as he began to describe the world of Christianity that he's been exposed to, he was describing them as people that say one thing, but they live another. That's not apostolic. When you're baptized, you're buried. When you repent, you die. When you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you rise. And you got to live it. you got to do it. you got to breathe it. You've got to love it. You've got to get lost in it. I know you can get lost in worship, but when was the last time you lost yourself in the Word of God? I know you can lose yourself in the preaching, but when was the last time that you lost yourself in prayer? God's not wanting you to shout loud today. I believe in shouting loud. I believe in worship. I believe in outward expression. I believe in dancing and spinning and running and clapping and lifting up your voice. That's all good, and I believe it. But God's not wanting you to lift your voice louder. And if you lift your voice a little louder, you go to a next level spiritually. It's not how that works. It's not a matter of what you say, it's a matter of how you live. God wants you to make a decision right here and right now I'm going to live this thing and I'm not going to leave this place like I once was I'm going to become who God has made you to be there's some people called to preach and you ought to come right now there's some people with calls of God to be missionaries and Sunday school teachers and bus drivers and Bible study teachers and children of God you ought to come there's some people that need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost you ought to come there's some people that are being called into a lifestyle of prayer you ought to come there's some people that need to lose themselves you ought to come God's not calling you tonight to shout louder He's calling you to lose yourself I wish you'd come to the front of this room and you'd lose yourself I wish you'd find yourself in a place of prayer unconcerned of anybody around you and you'd lose yourself why don't you forget all about who you think you are? And why don't you put on Christ today? Why don't you lose yourself in a place of repentance? Why don't you lose yourself in a place of prayer? Come on, you, maybe you ought to fall on your knees and find a private place. Maybe, maybe you ought to turn right around to the seat behind you and lose yourself. I don't just want you to sing. I want you to lose yourself. I don't just want you to lift your hands. I want you to lose yourself. And I want you to find Jesus. not going to have them sing for a moment. I want you to lift up your voice and I want you to really lose yourself. It's not enough to just come and walk to the front and sing along. I want you to really talk to God and I want you to lose yourself. No music for just a moment, just your voices. I want you to lift up your voice right now and I want you to communicate with the Lord. God, I don't want to be the person I once was. Lord, help me to lose the person that I used to be. Come on, nobody can pray it for you. I want you to lift up your voice right now. And I want you to talk to God. God, I don't want it to be about me. I'm not living for myself. I'm not living for my old ways. Come on, He hears you right now. and I want you to take some time to really lay down the person you used to be. I want you to find a place of repentance and die to the person you once were. You ought to leave this place a dead man walking. Come on, we're gonna sing in just a moment, but this is a time of repentance. I want you to lift up your hands as a sign of surrender to God, and I want you to repent. That means to die, that means to turn around. Come on, it's got to break in this place. You've got to lose yourself. You've got to open up your mouth and repent of your sins. Maybe you ought to find a place on your knees where you're not concerned about anybody else. Come on, let repentance come up out of your mouth. Nobody can do it for you. Let repentance come up out of your mouth. I don't want you to stand where you are. I want you to talk to God, and I want you to repent. I want you to die to the old man. I want you to die to the sin you walked in with. I want you to die to selfishness and die to pride and die to ego and die to sin. From the back of this room all the way to the platform, you ought to take some time to crucify the old man. I know it hurts, I know it's not easy to repent, it's crucifixion, and it's painful, and it's nails in your hands, but you've got to die if you're going to live. You've got to die if you're going to become. I'm not going to give you any further instruction tonight, you just need to die. You need to crucify the flesh. You need to repent of your sins. They'll sing here in a few moments, but until then, I'm going to leave this altar call to you. This is your altar call tonight. you got to die on the altar. Only dead things get laid upon the altar. You ought to repent tonight. You ought to lift up your voice tonight. This altar call is yours.